When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Three past ten at 17.8 degrees in Perth. Similar to that in Bunbury Town. It's a pretty bleak old day. And at the moment, no rain, but plenty of cloud. But be careful wherever you are. Drive with your headlights on. And have our station on wherever you are listening. SEN Spirit 621. Hello to you, of course, SENWA. And if you're in the podcast catch-up zone as well. Big show coming up to tell us more is the producer to the stars. We've kicked the dew off with our morning show with that bloke called Gilchrist. And now it's time to really ramp things up. Our special K's in the studio. Yeah, the main event. Good morning, Goss. Morning. Again. What, what have we got? Uh, a lot, actually. Plenty coming up. Obviously, looking forward to hearing what people have to say about all the hot topics uh, in the world of sport and footy. Of course, Toby Green being one of the main one... Um, Main topics there. Mm, stand by. Yeah, looking forward to what you have to say about it. Nick Subin will join us, of course, from South Fremantle. Should Fort I ask you about Ross Lyon? Because that, that didn't end nicely, the Ross Lyon and Nick Subin scenario. I'd be interested to know what Subes has to say because I've got a feeling he will say something along the lines of Ross always had his favourites, like the bottom, the top 15 players in the group, mm. and the rest could go please themselves. I've heard that from a number of uh, different players, so mm. I'd be. Uh, Should I ask? Surprised him? if he didn't ask him, to okay. be honest. So, uh, well, yeah, I'm better do it. I'm better a journalist, mate. Yeah, exactly. Do. Ask the hard-hitting questions. Yeah. Uh, I'll leave the soft stuff to the ex-players. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Smith to talk a bit of NRL yeah. later on. Did you see Latrell Mitchell hit that bloke? No, I didn't. I missed Manu? it. Oh, my heavens. So he hit him, flying arm, like shoulder charge thing, got him. He got up and everyone, oh, push up, push up, push up. Then he got... Manu walked over to him and was really upset. Like, they played together mm-hmm. and he was really upset, almost like in tears. Going, what would you do that for, mate? Yeah. Rearranged his face and as he's standing there, his face just went, I am blind. not an animal! <laughs> his head just exploded. Yeah. So sad. He's now needing a facial reconstruction. Jesus. Well, he's not going to help. No. He's not a doctor. No, not a doctor. Can you not say that on the radio? I'm sorry. I apologise. Jeepers would be better. Jeepers. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank I apologise to you. all the uh, religious You don't have to apologise. Just don't there. say it again. Okay. So I'm a bad boy of radio, guys. I'm a shock jock. So. <laughs> shock jock. <laughs> uh, John McGinley, I'm really looking forward to this one. This is one that I've been waiting for. I've been setting up for last week or so. So he's in Glasgow. He's a big Celtic man. He's podcasting about it, writing about it. He's all over Celtic, right? Mad keen Celtic Mm -hmm. supporter. Looking forward to catching up with him just to see, I guess, what the vibe is over there. A, on the back of the loss last night to Rangers, but B, also more about how the – what the feeling is like from Celtic fans around Ange Postacoglu. They're only in sixth spot at the moment. Yeah, they're not – there it is, finally. Beautiful. 
Yeah. <laughs> we get a lot of the positive stories over here in Australia, yeah. of course, about how he's really stepped into the role yeah. beautifully and everyone loves him, but we'll see if that really is the case with John McGinley okay. uh, after 11 o'clock. Uh, Brett Phillips as well before the US Open kicks off tonight. And Gary Lyon, who's in town, living mm. in uh, isolation for a couple of weeks in quarantine, uh, he's still doing his breakfast show, and he and Tim Watson spoke to Jesse Hogan. We've had a couple of people say they missed it. They can catch up on the podcast, sen.com.au. Or if you stay with us, we'll hear from Jesse Hogan. Doesn't do a lot of media. It's no. a good get by the team in Melbourne. Would have been handy if um, our producer had uh, <laughs> managed to get him. Uh, but anyway, uh, that, that happens. I had a crack. Hey, I know you did. Uh, mate, can I just make mention of this, which I know this is not part of what we've done today, Yeah. but um, 0487 736 736. I'm going out on a limb here. $20 million Thursday night. Powerball. That's that's going to be handy. What did I say I was waiting for? 60 or 80 million. Yeah, well, don't worry about that. Let's go for the 20 <laughs> okay. Thursday. Sure. I'll get a power pick, which guarantees us the power get ball. power ball. Okay, so we're guaranteed of the 1 to 20. Yeah, baby. Now we're just going to get the other ones. Uh but I am going to open up the phones, text line, okay. 0487 736 736, who you are and where you're listening, and I'm only taking 10 today. Oh, wow. Shaking things up. Yeah. This is unprecedented. 10 today. 10 today. 10 today. M- I'll do it again tomorrow. Maybe, maybe tomorrow. And Wednesday and Thursday. So it's four days, yeah, right. but 10 a day. Okay. You can't enter twice. 0487 736 736. Nick Subin, Jimmy Smith talking all things NRL, Johnny McGinley from Celtic, Jesse Hogan, Brett Phillips talking US Tennis Open. But now, okay, grab your collective breath. All right. Hang on to your hats because I'm coming off the long run. In June, in the Giants' clash with Carlton, Toby Green went out of his way, albeit not aggressively, to touch and push past umpire Jacob Mollison after a free kick was paid against a teammate, not even Green. On Saturday, Toby Green went one step further and intentionally bumped into umpire Matt Stevick, and he's now heading to the tribunal. On the day back in June, Green ran a long way out of his way towards umpire Mollison, who was setting the mark for a free kick to Carlton. There wasn't a cluster of players and Green wasn't in the area. He went out of his way to impose himself against an official. He touched and pushed by umpire Jacob Mollison. Social media was quick to defend Green. Nothing in it. Absolutely soft was the common theme of responses. Agree, it was soft, but totally unnecessary. Back in June, the match review officer deemed the contact did not constitute a reportable offence and that Green had no case to answer. But a fine and harsh warning back in June would have clearly set the tone for what is now a much more serious offence. What Toby Green did was not at the high end of aggression on the weekend, but it was a terrible look for the game. In particular, the lack of respect shown to umpires and officials. It cannot be tolerated. And that is why the tribunal needs to suspend Toby Green for a handful of weeks. This cannot be a lettuce-leaf punishment. This is season over worthy. The band of ex-players who went on with no contact call, 
then why was the umpire standing there cool, then heat of the battle cool, then I love Toby and want him to play cool, to just find him cool, further saturates the example of former players in the footy media love-in. They have embarrassed themselves with this, with their jelly-bellied defence of Toby Green. I just hope the tribunal jury tomorrow of ex-players show a little more honesty and integrity tomorrow when handing down the penalty, or it will be a case of the lunatics running the asylum. This is Sporting Goss. What are your thoughts? 13, 12, 55, if you agree or disagree, love to hear from you. 13, 12, 55 and or text 0487 736 736, the number. Toby Green, what do you make of it? I know it's uh, it's sort of flooded our airwaves. It's flooded all social media. It's flooded all forms of press, but it is a huge story because he really is, and I hate to say it, the barometer of the GWS Giants. He also is one of the best players in the competition right now, as spoken about by Matty DeBoer. You heard that in our 10 o'clock sport. Let us know, 13, 12, 55. Plenty to come. And also, we're going to hear from Adam Simpson. He gave his season reflection of the year that's gone. We'll also say that Peter Vlahos from Drive at Five is letting us know he has a breaking story out of the West Coast Eagles. Can't say any more than that, but between five and six, Peter Vlahos with a breaking story from the West Coast Eagles. Don't know how big, don't know how controversial, don't know where it's coming from, but make sure you are listening from five o'clock. If you want to be in the Lotto Syndicate, 0487 736 736. Paul from Busso says, could you please count me in? And I totally agree. Green is a grub. GWS are a grubby club, continually backing him and try not to correct his behaviour. Not about grub. I just think he needs to absolutely have a good hard look at himself and realise his value to the team because his value is not sitting in the stands or not having the focus on the football club for all the wrong reasons. 12 past 10, get to it. 13, 12, 55 or 0487 736 736. This is Sporting Talking WFL football here on Sporting Goss on SEN. Hope you're enjoying your Monday. One man who would be enjoying his Monday is Nick Subin from the South Fremantle Football Club. Kicked a couple of snaggers on the weekend, Subs. Congratulations on the five-point win. Without one of those goals, you don't win. That's the way I look at it. Thanks for having me, Goss. Yeah, look, not too bad for a 31-year-old that doesn't kick too many goals, mate. So, yeah, was pretty happy to, to kick a couple. It was a close game. You hung on. They were charging. They were, yeah. Look, I think, you know, we, we were sort of dominating most of the game. We had a lot of inside 50s, but just couldn't convert. And uh, we gave them a bit of a snip at the end. And they, they came hard and sort of hit the front pretty late. And, um, yeah, the boys had to show some grit and determination to, to find a way to win. And uh, lucky enough, we were able to do that. All right. At the moment, you sit second on the ladder, just a, a game behind Subiaco. You've got the West Coast Eagles in your final game at home at Fremantle Community Bank uh, uh, Stadium uh, at 2.10 on Saturday. Uh, they've got uh, well, they've got a lot of players who aren't there. So you would be envisaging a, a win and that's nice form going into the finals campaign. Yeah, look, obviously we don't know who's going to be playing or who's or not, or if they're going to play certain people. So, yeah, it's a bit of the unknown for us, but we'll just prepare like we usually do. And, um, yeah, hopefully, you know, we need a win, and we need a win quite well to hopefully hold on the second spot. Um, and, yeah, hopefully build some form in the finals and, um, 
yeah, wherever we play, wherever we play, it doesn't really matter. We're just excited to to get the real season started. How do you fit the time to play footy and train, mate, with a growing family? I'm led to believe you've got four tin lids. Three, yeah, I've got three. Uh, it's, it's a challenge. Um, I've got three kids under four, so it, it is quite difficult. But um, no, I enjoy playing footy. I enjoy um, sort of my role down at Saffronmantle, playing and helping sort of mankind coach a little bit. So. Um, yeah, no, I really enjoy uh, my time away. It's my little release, which is great. Um, and yeah, sort of not too sure what the future holds, whether I'll go again uh, around again next year, but really enjoying this year. And hopefully the boys can can build some good form into finals and play some good finals footy. So you're enjoying footy. Your team's in the finals where mm-hmm. South Fremantle always belong. Um, do you envisage playing on, or is this going to be it for you? Not too sure yet. Um, it'll just. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see how sort of family life stacks up. Um, I've got a seven-week-old daughter who's not giving us a great amount of sleep at the moment. So um, we'll just have to wait and see. Look, you know, I'm, I am getting towards the back end. So, um, yeah, I'll have those conversations with the wife and um, with Kills, who's just signed on for another yeah. two years. and Say if he wants to have me around or, or if he thinks I should hang him up. So, yeah, we'll wait and see. All righty. Now, uh, you've seen Jesse Motlop up close and personal. I've seen him playing for Aquinas in the PSA. You've seen him play league footy at South Fremantle. Um, where does he end up in the system? Has he got AFL over him? And, and I know that, they, unfortunately, the next generation linked to Fremantle seems to have gone a bit wobbly, but you would would you like to see him in purple? Yeah. I've, look, obviously, I've heard that there's to be the situation with the next gen or whatever the setup is, yeah, he's not guaranteed to, to get to Frio. So it's a bit disappointing because, yeah, I think he could be quite a good AFL footy player. Um, yeah, he, he walked into our sort of system straight away and had a, had a pretty good impact. Um, I think it was against Swan Districts uh, six or seven weeks ago. So, um, yeah, look, I think everything I've seen of him so far is he's got class written all over him. So whoever is lucky enough to get him in the draft, I think is going to have a really good player for a long period of time. What about your mate, Matty DeBorio, still going around, uh, got shown the door by <laughs> yep. uh, Ross, and he's uh, just got a new life. He just keeps on playing. He's in the finals campaign. Uh, life doesn't get any better. Yeah, he's going really well. I think <laughs> that, that, that period where the guys with Rio got rid of a few guys, they've, they've all gone to different clubs and had an impact. So, um, yeah, it's a bit disappointing. They still probably should still be at Freo, really. So, mm. uh, but no, it's good to see, mate. He's he's a really quality player and a great bloke uh, off the field as well. And um, yeah, it's great to see someone that you know has, has had some adversity and gone to another club and really really shown uh, what they can do. So no, he's he's uh, he's done really well. I'm really proud of Matty the way he's gone about it. Nick Subin, our guest from the South Fremantle Football Club, we appreciate his time on SEN Sporting Goss here. Right around Western Australia on a pretty bleak old Monday. But if you're a Bulldogs fan, you're pretty happy because they are preparing for a finals campaign. And Ross Lyon, his name has just kept on on, uh, uh, bubbling along in regards to a future role possibly at Carlton. Are you surprised that he's still in the mix or did you always think he would be back coaching an AFL team? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm probably not surprised. Um, Look, there's no doubt he... You know, footy brain-wise, he's right up there with um, with all the best sort of coaches tactically and, and game plan-wise. I think that's Ross's real strength. Um, so I think there was always going to be a time where he would probably try and step back in. So, yeah, definitely not surprised. Um, you know, there's obviously the talk of the town and the talk of the country.
country at the moment, you know, what's going on with the whole situation. Mm. So, yeah, it's interesting how it all sort of will play out. And if he's already got the job or if he's still kind of in the mix, you're not too sure. So, yeah, it'd be interesting how it all plays out. If he had to change one thing in his makeup from someone who's been coached by him, and I'm sure you've been on the end of him as well, uh, does he have to change mm. much? Yeah, look, <laughs> it's funny, it, you know, all coaches have their, their positives and negatives. Um, you know, if you're the, the 30th player on a list, you probably don't have the best relationship with the coach because so, he's, he's obviously not playing you. So, yeah, look, I think Ross probably just needs to build some deeper relationships with with those fringe-type players and those guys that uh, are coming up underneath. I think that's probably his area area for improvement. Um, there's no doubt that sort of the top uh, 10 or 15 players, he has a great relationship with um amongst his team. So I think for him to take the next step and get that silver silverware that he's after, if he was to get the, the job at Carlton, um, I think build those relationships with those back-end list players and, and really try and get them to come along for the ride. What was your relationship with him like, Soobs? Yeah, look, there's no... I think I've publicly said it, it was good at times and it, was, it wasn't great at times. It probably didn't end as well as what uh, we would have liked. Um but, you know, that's footy. Um, you know, like I said, he's got some positives and negatives. And towards the back end, uh, it was some, some tough conversations that we had. Um, but that's footy and, and, and life. So, now we move on. But, yeah, it, it was it was okay. Who's the team to beat in the waffle this year, mate? It looks like the premiership is well concealed amongst the five contenders. And that goes with you saw how hard it was to shake off Swans at home. We know what Subi can do on their day. Claremont can be dangerous. And we know, of course, that West Perth, albeit they were disappointing on the weekend, are going to be hard to beat. Uh, I tell you what, it's going, to, it's going to need everything to go right, isn't it? And it probably starts this week in the last home and away fixture through to the finals campaign for, for a premiership team to, to, uh, to, to shoot up. Because I, I can't pick it. I, I think any of the five teams can beat each other on any given day. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think I think Subi going to finish on top and they've probably been the best team all year, uh, no doubt about that. But obviously looking at wins and loss, most most of the top five have sort of won, won against each other and lost against each other. So it's a bit of a sort of flip of the coin. Um, yeah, it's really whoever rocks up on the day and, and, and is willing to, to do, do the work and um, and have a go. So, yeah, I think, you know, I'm probably the same as you. Um, it could really be any of the five, and um, it's going to make a great final series for the Waffle, and hopefully we can get some, some good crowds to some games because, you know, it is going to be a great contest each game. No doubt. And one last question for you, Nick Subin. Who wins the AFL Premiership? We're down to six. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, great question, Goss. <laughs> uh, I think Port Adelaide are probably playing the best footy at the moment. Um, they were pretty impressive on on the weekend against Geelong. Mm. Um, but I still wouldn't write the Cats off. I think they've got some really good key forwards up up with Hawkins and uh, Cameron. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't write the Cats off uh, oh, either. All right. And I'm seeking a headline here. How many weeks for Toby Green? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, mate, two, three, two or three, I think he'll get, yeah. Yeah. He didn't see the man in high vis. Every other player got past him, but unfortunately not for Toby. <laughs> Appreciate your time. All the very best. Congratulations on the birth of your recent one, mate. Uh, all the best to the finals campaign and good luck against the West Coast Eagles on the weekend at Fremantle Community Bank Oval. It's on Saturday at 10 past two. Thanks for joining us, Nick. No, thanks, Goff. He's a good man. Nick Subin, former Fremantle locker, but doing great things for South Fremantle. And who knows what the future holds for Nick, but one thing's for sure, he's done some great work in the WIFL space and also the development of the group as well. Love talking to Nick. Love talking waffle footy here on the Sporting Goss.
10.30 news just around the corner. After 10.30, we're going to hear from Jimmy Smith talking NRL. A bit of drama there as well with Latrell Mitchell. Adam Simpson also on his season review. And we're hearing now that the GWS golfers who played nine holes at Barn Boogle didn't even get to play 18 yesterday. They only played the nine. Uh, Barn Boogle. Barn Boogle. Apparently, this is the greatest place on earth. Barn Boogle. Uh, they are flying the Giants tomorrow to Perth. Coming tomorrow. So not staying down at Barn Boogle. And the estate down there, I think they might be staying up at Joondalup. I'm led to believe Geelong's at the Trade Winds down in Frio. So different ends of the earth. But apparently they played nine holes of Barn Burgo golf course yesterday, but are flying out tomorrow to come to Perth. So it's going to be a long day for the Giants. Plenty of interest in Goss Lotto for Thursday night's Powerball draw 0487 736 736. We are amassing the numbers, but we're about to close it off today. So if you want to enter, 0487 736 736 is the number. Tell us who you are and where you're listening and how you're listening to the show. It could be on the app. It could be on SEN Spirit, of course. Or, of course, it could be, I don't know, how else else do you listen? You just listen. Well, where you're listening from is probably more to the point, isn't it? Come into the studio and listen. Hey, Cheech. Cheechy, you're in Averley, and he wants to go in the lottery. The lottery. The lottery. Remember the lottery? You wouldn't know this, Chris. The lottery in the old days, you used to get the daily news. Daily newspaper. Right? And you'd have a whole page with the lottery numbers. And the lottery was 16. You used to have, I think it was an 8,000 draw and a $16,000 draw. And the whole page, whole page, was of numbers, tiny little numbers, and you got a lottery ticket. So you went to the news agent and said, can I get in the buy a lottery ticket? Cost you 40 cents, whatever it was. You would sit there with your ticket, and the number you would have on your ticket might have been 47685. And you would get your lottery ticket, and you would run it down the column and it would be like 16,000 first prize, and it would be 8,000. It would be about five prizes of 2,000, 1,000. Then it would be like money back or 20 bucks or 10 bucks. And you would run your ticket down like four, seven, six. Oh, no. That's how, seriously. Oh, this is like in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, my, my mum and dad, would like every, there will be people out there listening right now, if you remember the lottery ticket process, and you would buy it, it was only be in the Daily News, and you'd get your ticket, and you'd go, oh, you'd run it down, you'd run it down. I came in the fours, yes, yes. Then you go across it, seven, yes, yes, six, yes, eight, yes. Oh, oh, so close, but yet so far. Fact. And a little ticket was like, you know what the ticket was like? It was like... um. Money out of Monopoly. It was about the same size and had a little different colour. People may remember that. If you do, try and set the whippersnapper, the whippersnapper, uh, put him on the right path. Chris Clafuna, so he's looking at me like, did that really happen? It did. 0487 736 736. Frank's listening at home in Yanjibup, and he forgot to mention he would like to be into the Powerball. Thank you, Frank. That's okay. Do you remember the lottery? It's half past 10. Adam Simpson next. This is Sporting Goss. Thanks to McCafe, the coffee. Now I've had three today. Try McCafe's new blend. It's coffee fit for an Aussie. Thanks to Nick Subin. The news and then Adam Simpson. 28 away from 11. 
18.6 degrees in Perth. Hope you're enjoying the show. Ray from Cardinia. Hello, Ray. 0487 736 736. Good interview with Nick Subin. He said, should be more ex-AFL players in the waffle for at least a year or two to drive standards, lift quality of the competition, and the commission should actually pay for one ex-player per club X amount of dollars to encourage this to pass on their knowledge to others. Good on you, Ray. It's a good suggestion as well. Don't forget at 5 o'clock, Peter Vlahos is in the studio with Drive. He tells me he's got a breaking story out of the West Coast Eagles. Speaking of the Eagles, Adam Simpson gave his season review to the club, courtesy of the West Coast Eagles. Here's Adam Simpson's spin on season 2021. We think we've got a list that's good enough to compete in finals and to not make it. And we've really faded away in the back half of the year through a variety of reasons. But no, we're disappointed with the season. The Brisbane game, I think we'll take a little bit from that. Yeah, we, we missed, I think, seven players. So I don't know how many times this year we made five changes in a game, but it was it was a, way too many. And a lot of it was, was due to um, injuries and some was form as well. So the last game, would follow that same pattern, but I thought they played with real spirit and energy, and that's just what you got to do. You know, that's 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 a non-negotiable. So um, we're pleased we we gave it everything in that last game, but unfortunately, we probably won't be looking at that. We'll be looking at the games before that where we let ourselves down. But yeah, we'll take some confidence though from from that effort. Second half of the year, we we had games we thought we were more than capable of winning, and we didn't produce four quarters. And I just chose you now. You, if you're off a little bit um, for a quarter or two, you can really get hurt. And it doesn't matter where sides you play, where they're on the ladder or where you play them, you're gonna get hurt. So we had some games where we had one bad quarter, but that bad quarter was a seven goal deficit. And then you spend the rest of the game chasing your tail. So um, like I said, we learned a lot from that. Sydney's year, the group, we had a lot of guys coming in and out of the side, a lot of guys who missed pre-seasons. And then our inability to maintain or regain momentum in, in quarters. It was probably a byproduct of all the things that, you know, didn't quite get right. So, yeah, that's part of our review, how we're going to get better. Um, you know, the guys have been up for a long period of time too, which you don't know what that does um, on the back of COVID as well. So we've got an opportunity now to, to refresh, um, review a lot of what we were doing and um, and reload. So that's our, that's our next phase. As much as it was disappointing, we've still got a lot of growth with some of our younger players. You know, we still had some really good victories. I think of the, you know, the Carlton game in Sydney with a, a really young squad. Oh, Darling, almost a mark. Sidestep of Langton was supreme, and he snaps a really good goal. I think of the game against Richmond, um, where our senior players really stood up. What's the champ got? He bends it! He bends it! He bends it through! Port Adelaide early in the year. Shadows him. Still a chance for the Eagles. Over the top. First goal coming. It's coming. It's through. They were just too far uh, away from each other, those performances. And in the end, inconsistencies within the game, they cost us. We're now in a position where um, we've got to watch finals. Uh, we can exit our players once we get out of quarantine in the right way and they can have time to reflect and then start to rebuild their bodies. We finished the season last year in November, I think, and um, the pre-season started in January. Now we get a chance to, to really reload and um, really put some work in in the off-season and come back in December fit and ready to go. Players are gonna need some surgeries. Um, obviously the list will change. We'll hit the draft. There'll be personnel changes within the coaching department as well. So all these little things we hope will add to, to a really solid pre-season and, and a really good look next year.
you know, we're a very planned and processed club, you know, through COVID and every club's going through the same thing, the ability to adapt and deal with hubs and quarantine and, you know, we're now in a position where our Waffle Boys, we're not, I haven't seen them for two weeks because we're in a, we're in a bubble. So we'll get everyone together once we're out of quarantine um, early September and then we'll finish the season. So, um, you know, that's, that's, just the, that's just life at the moment. So we, we accept that. Um, we've got to deal with it as best we can and um, keep trying to be as resilient as we can. I arrived in start of 14 and I think we had 58,000 members and uh, I thought, that's really good. And, and to get 106, um, obviously the stadium, the new logo, yeah, everything that you know the club's achieved in the last few years has been, we're really proud of it. And our members and supporters to come along for the ride and get 106. I know not all of them are happy right now, <laughs> but the support in general has been amazing and our players really appreciate it. You know, to be at the biggest club in Australia, really, uh, is, is a real honour and um, something that we, you know, we don't take lightly. Welcome back to Sporting Goss. On this Monday, we're talking NRL with our man Jimmy Smith from SEN Sydney. Jimmy, I thought they were unbeatable, the Melbourne Storm. I thought it was just a matter of the margin. But they got their comeuppance at the hand of the Parramatta Eels, who were very, very good. Uh, they're outstanding. They're incredible. How are you, Goss? G'day to you and all the listeners as well. And and just like I'm watching the game and I'm thinking, okay, well, they'll, they'll win it, the Storm. It's just a matter of... Oh, okay. Well, they're going to have to score an extra try. Oh, all right. Well, they're going to have to score two yeah. tries now. Yeah. Um, but but they just kept turning up. Parramatta, like I, I think their um, their polish and their finish was much better. Uh, Mitchell Moses was excellent. So uh, you know, from that point of view, great. But it's the effort, the defensive effort, for them to continue to stop the Melbourne Storm and and be a dominant victor and to play so well. And it's given every Eels fan hope that. You know, they might be able to go a little bit deeper into this competition. It was an extraordinary win, and it just goes to show, um, one, that uh, any team on its day, and two, that, you know, the Melbourne Storm, I think you know, there'll be a couple of other sides there, like Penrith and the Rabbitohs, just eyeing them off, saying, well, you know, they're not unbeatable. Mm, yeah, well, they were very, very good. Now, they can't finish any worse than second, the Melbourne Storm, and they're probably in the box seat. I think they've got the Sharks uh, for the final game of the season. So the minor premiership, just to explain to the listeners who live over here in Perth what the minor premiership means to a rugby league team. Uh, it depends from team to team. You know, I, I, it, some teams value it more than others. And, and everyone who goes and wins the minor premiership and then goes on to win the premiership will say, yeah, 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 the minor premiership's really important. Um, everyone who wins the minor premiership and then loses the grand final will say, Oh, I couldn't care less about the minor premiership. We just we just wanted to win that premiership. Mm. So um, each team values it differently, and it depends on how things play out. The Melbourne Storm have always tried to win everything on offer. Um, I think they they rest players with a view to winning the premiership. If they happen to win the minor premiership along the way, then uh, that's fantastic. Penrith Panthers can drop to third. Now this is uh, this is the nice little spin of this uh, final home and away series, of course. Uh, so judging by this, so let's say the Storm, um, you know, are expected to win. Penrith would need to beat Parramatta and have the Storm lose to Cronulla. Penrith can also drop to third if they lose to the Eels and South beat the Dragons by enough to overturn their differential gap. So there's a bit to play out, isn't there? Yeah, there is on paper. And, and look, with, with due respect to the upsets that can happen that we were just talking about, I think Melbourne win the minor premiership. 
I think Penrith and South Sydney stay in the positions that they're at. That is second and third on the ladder. They're, they're, they're going to play each other first week of the finals. Um, Manly, they've got the game. Uh, they're playing against uh, the Cowboys. They should win that game as well. Tommy T was superb again. So they'll end up playing Melbourne uh, first week of the finals. After that, it's a little interesting about what's happening with Parramatta. Do the Roosters get a win over the Raiders? That's a big game on uh, that they've got coming up as well. And and who is actually making up the top eight? Can Cronulla stay there with an upset over the, the Melbourne Storm? There's so many things to play out. Mm. Um, but, yeah, uh, the, the top four and the, the first two games of the, the premiership uh, of the semi-finals, I think we know. All righty. So what's the most talked about player at the moment over there in Sydney town? Is it Latrell Mitchell or is it Toby Green? Oh, Latrell. Uh, Latrell's going gangbusters over here. It's, you know, it happened three days ago. I know Toby Green was two days ago. It happened three days ago and it's dominating um, the headlines. It's dominating the airwaves. Um, everyone wants to have their say. It's a perfect mix. Um, and and that is because Timmy, it's it's a um, a highly contentious player, a controversial figure mm. in many ways, mm. a brilliant player, a player that means so much to their team, a team that's massive, uh, arguably the biggest in the league in the South Sydney Rabbitohs, up against their arch rival, the Roosters, um, a fallen star in in um, Joey Manu, and and you know a bruised and battered superstar in Joey Manu, who you know, people were talking about being a million-dollar player a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's got every ingredient. And, and, and now it's, um, it's the lack of apology that's upsetting some people. Mm. Um, Wayne Bennett's come out and they said, Let, let's, just, let's just take the six weeks and be done with it. I, I firmly believe that South Sydney cannot win the comp now. I, I've, it's given me absolute confidence that Melbourne and Penrith will play again in the grand final. The winner is the question mark on that, but South Sydney's chances have been dealt a massive blow by Latrell Mitchell's action. Six weeks they've taken the early ban. Looks like he was advised by Wayne Bennett to do so. Former teammate Joey Manu. Um, uh, well, I don't know whether this is over the top, but requiring a facial reconstruction. I've never seen a face blow up so much. And you could he was almost in tears. He may have even been in tears, Manu, realising the extent of his injury when he went across to Mitchell to basically say, mate, why? Why would you do that? Um, it was really actually quite sad to watch, to be honest with you, Jimmy. It was incredible to watch because, yeah, they've won two premierships together. They play the same position. There's a bond there. Um, I've been um, speaking to Bruce's insiders and, um, yeah, they're upset about that. But that's how that's how Luttrell plays. That's how Luttrell plays. Trains. He he. For whatever reason, he needs this. Remember in the um, the Last Dance documentary where they basically said that Michael Jordan would make up things in his own mind mm. about the opposition that helped motivate him. In mm. many ways, that's what Latrell does. Latrell doesn't dislike Joey Manu and, and and all these players at the Roosters, but if he if he makes it personal, if he you know he takes a front at being tackled. Um, Latrell Mitchell, and he'll push and shove, push and shove, and they'll find it grubby and all that sort of thing. And, and that's what supporters say, but that's what motivates him. And and uh, there's no problem with that if you stay within the laws of the game. He went outside of that, and that's where his problem is. It was harsh. Uh, what what's the latest with Manu? What what where, where's he at? Obviously, his his year is done as well. Um, yeah, and and. and 
Will there be any um, – you said there's been no apology forthcoming from South Sydney and in particular the, the Latrell Mitchell camp, but where, where to now with these two? It doesn't go to tribunal, does it? Uh, so they're not going to have to come face-to-face, so to speak, again. Um, I'd be interested to see how this is going to play out going forward. If you said to me that Latrell Mitchell hasn't been in uh, contact with Joey Manu directly, and look, let's all face it, he's got his number, um, I'd be shocked. But Latrell's never done anything because everyone said he should do it. Um, he, he's an extraordinary figure, Timmy. He's, he's, an amazing, he's an amazing leader. He's a young man still who's this phenomenal rugby league player. But I've, I've said it on radio before. In 20 years' time, if you said to me Latrell Mitchell will lead a march on Canberra because of uh, an injustice... Uh, to he and his people, I'd go. Yeah, that's that. I see that in his future. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the type of guy he is. Um, he's he's one of these guys. To give you an example, um, you know, trolling that happens in of a racist nature uh, across social media, which is completely unacceptable. From what I understand, um, some players uh, are subject to it all the time. He he'll call it out. He'll call it out to the point where people have been charged um, and found guilty um, with. Uh, use of uh, carriage device to um, you know, vilify. Mm. Um, so that's the type of personality you're dealing with. Jimmy Smith, last one for you, and I touched on it briefly. I know it was all about Latrell Mitchell. From your perspective, great man, from a New South Wales perspective, no Mitchell, no Rabbitohs, no Toby Green, no Giants. How many weeks for Toby Green for walking into an umpire for no reason? Yeah, gee, that must frustrate Giants oh. fans. I'm, I'm a Swans man, right? So I'm watching that game on Saturday. Couldn't believe that poor old Bud couldn't kick that one. No. And, uh, anyway, look, they had their opportunities. Um, but why on earth would you do that, Toby Green? And, and again, it, you don't know what their personality is like, or maybe maybe we do with Toby Green. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think what happens here is you've got, again, the, the mix of it's an incident that is... You know, it's not the crime of the century. It's a hugely high-profile player that if the Giants don't have him, they, they can't win. Mm. Um, and, and all that goes into the mix. What he should get and what he will get might be two separate things. Yeah, very true. It is a plenty of divided opinion. The ex-AFL fan base, player fan base, are in love with Toby Green and basically tried to say it didn't happen, which uh, they should hand in their media accreditation for mine. Uh, appreciate your time. Great chat and looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. Funny you mention that. I saw Luke Darcy trending on uh, <laughs> social media. Oh, oh. oh what's Luke now? Darcy and then Luke Hodge, who said it was an accident. Oh, it was the heavens above. Anyway, appreciate your time. Good chatting. Good on you, Timmy. Have Jim, a great week, mate. Jimmy Smith, you too. Jimmy Smith on SEN Sydney. He is the voice of NRL, the NRL nation. This is Sporting Goss. Money. Here we go. Money talk. Ah, it's that time of day. Chris Clafunas, producer of the Stars. I like to call him Special K. Hello, Kellogg's, if you're out there. <laughs> I'd like you to get on board. Please. What, what have you got for us in regards to uh, the Gozlotto, which is on Thursdays? The draw, the Powerball, $20 million. Plenty of people wanting to get on board. As you'd expect, Goss, Shane from Harvey, Paul from Ridgewood, Mick from Bunbury, Peter from Jalorup. Yeah, Jalora, yep, which is down south. Nailed it. Roy from Templestowe, Tractor from Spearwood. Tractor! Have I told you the story about Tractor? There he is. Uh, you have, <laughs> actually. Uh, Dan from Joondalup, 
Gavin on the road, listening in and uh, texting in as well. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he pulled over to do that. JJ in Geraldton. Frankie in Yanjabup. Uh, JJ's on the app, is he? Must be. That's great news. Must be. Very good. Frankie in Yanjabup, as I said. Uh, Ray from Waruna. Paul from Busso. Cheech in Averley. Mike in Palmyra. Mike in Donnybrook. And Helen texted in uh, very late. That's more than 10. The hour. That's good. Yeah, it is more than 10. We're a little bit generous letting all these well, people in. Well, we are generous. We are generous. Hey, um, now we know we've been told, reliably informed, there is a breaking story at 5 o'clock tonight on Drive with Peter Vlahos. Um, now, I don't know if this is a story, but I can't sit around waiting all day. But my mail is, now this, this, is not, this might not be a reflection of the story that they're breaking at 5. Sure. But my story is that Jared Brander has asked for a trade back to Victoria. Really? Yes. And that doesn't surprise me. North Melbourne, Hawthorne, uh, Keen. Yep. So. A couple of clubs. Yeah, playing. Gilly had his way. One of those clubs were down in Tassie. <laughs> that <laughs> yep. went well. That went well. Hawthorne never lost after he said that. They won four in a row. Jared Brander. I I, I don't mind uh, the, the work that Jared Brander put in. Yeah. I don't, in know, what, I don't know where he fits. Yeah, he's a, yeah. I reckon they've always had that problem at West Coast. And who goes out for him to come in? But anyway, hey, look, it might not be on the money, but that's the word on the street, as they say. There you go. That's actually a good line. It um, should be a good um, segment. segment. Yeah, yeah a word idea. on the street. Yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. we run with that. Not, yeah. a bad, not, not a bad shout. Is that like, <laughs> um, is that like Stadium Call where apparently everyone, everyone does it? Yeah, everyone does the Stadium Call, but there's only one Stadium Call. There's only one SEN Stadium Call. And but there's only to... one Stadium Call, mate. Yeah, well, exactly. Because you use the SEN Stadium. SEN Stadium app and you also use the Wi-Fi provided by the stadium. And it's there play-by-play. And there's no buffer. If you try streaming on any other commentating platform, you're behind by two minutes. And it buffers, mate. Yeah. You know what buffer means? It means you just go, uh, 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 rubbish. Uh, Don't want that. You want SEN Stadium. After 11 o'clock, we're going to Glasgow. Oh, yeah. Johnny. Johnny McGinley's going to join us. He's all about Ange Postacoglu. That is on the way. Got my eye on you. 17.8 degrees. Stay with us. This is Sporting Goss right around WA. Yeah, disappointing. Um, tight game. Uh, typical sort of derby game where not a lot of chances and you know, a lot of not a lot of open space. But our first goal was going to be critical and unfortunately uh, you know, we had the opportunity to do that and, and we didn't take it and they did. It's been a growing schedule with the European qualifiers. No Celtic fans here today as well. It's always going to be a tough game, wasn't it? Yeah, but, you know, irrespective, I think, you know... Um, as I said, it was still a tight game. It was still a game where you know we had the opportunity to, to sort of grab hold of it, and, and we didn't take it. So it's still disappointing, um, and you know something we need to sort of you know, make sure that, um, especially in these big games, that when the moment arrives, that we're, we're ready to take it. Josip Juranovic makes his debut today. You must be glad to finally get him on the park after signing last week. Yeah, look, it's been that sort of month where we're signing players and sort of throwing them in, and you know, obviously left-back's not his natural position, but, you know, he, he, he did okay, and the most important thing is that, you know, he, he got a taste of it and understands sort of, um, you know, the football here and obviously the way we want to play, so he'll be better for it. It's international break now, so time to recollect and go again. The window shuts on Tuesday, so know that there'll be some ins and outs. Yeah, yeah, look, um, keen to get to the end of the window so we can just settle the squad down and, and you know, do some work with the players and then... You know, the other side of the window, then we can, you know, we'll know what squad we have and what players are, are sort of uh, in the in the picture for us moving forward, and, and we can build.
Pretty strong words post-game there from Ange Postacoglu. Of course, Aussie Ange in charge of one of the soccer powerhouses, Celtic. And we're joined by a man who's all things Celtic. John McGinley is his name. He also tweets grand old pod, of course. He also has plenty to say in regards to Celtic news and opinion. And you can follow him on Twitter as well. John McGinley, M-C-G-I-N-L-E-Y. John, disappointing news overnight. They got beaten by their arch rivals 1-0 and... uh, it's uh, it's been a while. Yeah, it has been. Uh, unfortunately for myself, um, and unfortunately for Celtic, Rangers have kind of dominated this fixture for a good while now. Um, and just come in the door, he's he's rebuilding things basically from scratch, and um, it was another disappointing day for, day for Celtic. I think that you know Ange is is bringing us closer towards Rangers. I would say I think that's probably the consensus of a lot of Celtic fans today. Do Celtic fans have the patience of John McGinley? <laughs> well, I, I hope so. I mean, that's what this is going to take, I think. Um, Anne just spoken consistently about the need for patience and, and the need for not getting too carried away when things are going well. As, you know, we, the boom and bust cycle of Glaswegian football can be um, a bit of a problem for managers here. Um, but, you know, Anne has done a lot to kind of unify the fans with this team and with his coaching methods. And I think... If any manager is going to get patience out of us, it's going to be this one. Is it coaching methods that are uh, all out um, try and score? Because, of course, on the goal differential, it's plus 10 scoring machine that they are. But they've had a couple of losses, yet they've only conceded three goals. Yeah, I mean, the, the way that he is relentlessly pursuing opposition, especially at home at Celtic Park with the return of supporters after... Um, the the problems of the pandemic has mm. been has been thrilling. It's been a case of that the football is kind of feeding the atmosphere of the crowd, and the atmosphere of the crowd is feeding the football. And I think that's the way Ange styled himself for a while. Um, and in many ways, it's it's a perfect fit for Celtic. But it does come with challenges. And like any good love story, there's bumps in the road, and it's about how you respond to them. So that's what we'll be looking for from from Ange and Celtic going forward. Well, that sort of uh, leads me to the next question. Your tweet, outrageous team going to Ibrox in the best possible <laughs> way. Give me your opinion of why that was, because there is some conjecture over whether he should have started Kyogo. I mean, there's all sorts of talk post-game on the back of the loss. Uh, is <laughs> your opinion agreed upon by most Celtic fans? I think what was refreshing about the team selection was its attacking intent going to Ibrox. Now, Ibrox is a venue that's never easy to go to, regardless of of what team you are. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of Celtic teams go over the years looking to to protect, uh, um, you know, protect against the defeat rather than go for the win. And I think that Ange went for the win today. Um, Obviously, that has its drawbacks as well. There's, you know, some a, a little bit of talk that he didn't quite get the... The selection of Kyogo and and also Eduard right in terms of their position, mm. um, and I think he admitted that, that himself after the match. But I think it's just seen a Celtic team go with intent in every single match, regardless of who we play, regardless of what venue we're in. That's um, so refreshing at the moment. We're speaking to John McGinley, who is Grand Old Pod, A-U-L-D Pod. He's all things Celtic. You can follow him on Twitter as well. And we're speaking after the loss in the uh, the, the old firm derby, 1-0 by Celtic. But more about, about Ange Postacoglu and his aggressive style as, uh, of coach. At the moment, you sit sixth. But as I said, plenty of goals. Just got to shore things up in, in various areas. When Ange Postacoglu was signed as manager, had you heard of him? 
no, no, I'll be honest, I, I hadn't heard of him. Um, and I think a lot of fans were, were in that boat. It doesn't take long in, in this day and age for, for people to do their research and, and look into the kind of manager that he was. After people did that, I think that there was still a bit of you know misgivings about, about what he could bring to Celtic. But a lot of people gradually came on board, myself included. Um, he heard what he had to say, um, heard about his training methods, heard about the kind of man that he is. There's a very interesting video that aired on um, Sky Sports before the game today about um, you know his experiences as an immigrant in Australia and how that's you know um, set up his life in football and and you know the inspiration he's taken from his father and all that kind of talk really chimes with the Celtic support um, in terms of the origins of our football club and our experiences and I I think that that is helping him as much as anything as much as the the style of football it's his honesty in dealing with the media. So no, I hadn't heard of him, I have to be honest, but as soon as you get to know him, you kind of really start to appreciate him. And I think a lot of a lot of Celtic fans are in that boat at the moment. You know, I don't speak for every Celtic fan, but I do have to say that, you know, you know, he's he's very much winning us over at the moment. When you lose the derby, um how long does it take to get over it when you're a Celtic fan? <laughs> it depends on the manner, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> last season um, was definitely a nightmare um, because you know Rangers dominated those games. It wasn't just the results; it was the the manner of performance and how meekly we gave up some of those games. And I think from today, you know, that didn't happen. You know, we we gave it a good go in the first half and we fell fell away a bit in the second half, but we brought the fight to them, and I think that's what fans want to see. So as long as they see that progress and improvement, the result is deeply disappointing. Of course, it is, but. As long as we can see pro- progress, it's it's a little bit easier to take. So I think a lot of, well, myself personally will be eager to just, there's an international break now for, for the for the country's football, but a lot of people will be eager to get back to action and see Celtic, you know, picking up wins again. No doubt about that. So now it's six wins and a draw for Rangers in the past seven meetings against Celtic mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the, the old firm derby. So what about... Walking around the streets of Glasgow, give us an opinion. We have our what we call our uh, Western Derby here. We call Derby, we call Derby Derby here in Western Australia. All very different, but uh, we they have bragging rights. Uh, people have scarves out of their windows. They spruik it. They beat their chest. Uh, they get the rub of the green when it comes to media. They probably get the rub of the green when it comes to getting a, a takeaway coffee and the like. What happens in Celtic when? the winner is the winner. And, and what happens for Rangers fans that doesn't happen for Celtic fans until you play again? It's, um, it's definitely bragging rights. It's, it's going into work and, and dealing with people on a, <laughs> on a day-to-day basis who might support a different team from you. You know, that's that's what the local rivalry is all about. It's, it's deepened with the Celtic and Rangers stuff. The thing about it is that, you know, Celtic dominated for the last decade before last season and, and Rangers kind of knocked us off our perch. So they're loving it at the moment. They're gloating. Um, as you would, and, and and they really see themselves as going somewhere under Stephen Gerrard as well, who um, is obviously a, a famous football figure worldwide. So they've got their their own stuff to brag about, and and but we are trying to get back and knock them back off their perch, and um, that's what it's about. If you can kind of come out of a derby with something to hang your hat on in terms of a performance, or in terms of well, we'll get you next time. That's sometimes what it's about rather than the result itself. So there'll be a lot of Celtic fans talking themselves into um, something <laughs> to take into the, the, the next the next match against them in, in December. <laughs> and talking about the championship, you currently sit sixth. 
So with Ange Postacoglu coming in and, you, and you've been very firm on the style that he's coaching and you're enjoying it, um, mm-hmm. how, how much leeway does he get if that style doesn't work? Um, yeah, that's a good question. And, and I think that's something that we're going to see a lot of in the upcoming European games where we'll be facing a stiffer um, standard of competition than, than what we get against the, the Scottish teams. And it remains to be seen whether this and style of football can can travel on the road to Germany, to Spain, um, to Hungary, and, and really get at teams away from home. I mean, that's something of an unknown at the moment. And undoubtedly, if results go against us, there will be some talk of pragmatism and kind of, you know, pulling back a bit on Ange's aggressive pressing and style. But I think he's so resolute and, and so firm in his commitment to that, that he might be able to convince supporters that we're still going in the same direction. But again, that comes down to honesty, and that's something that Ange has in abundance. And um, you know, Celtic fans appreciate honesty, and they appreciate not being spoken to um, like they're clowns. So as long as he does that and he's open and upfront with us, then I think we'll be on board with him. No doubt. He walked around the ground. I think it was after a win uh, that your last win prior to, to losing overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, walked around clapping the crowd and uh, was embraced by the fans. Um, how long do you reckon that'll go on for? And because I mean, you've got to set, you've got to almost um, make your bet a little bit. Uh, is he just setting himself up for just in case you go through a dry run? <laughs> no, I mean it, it's kind of it's been a whirlwind. To be honest, this summer's been very difficult from a Celtic perspective. From from where we were starting, um, we kind of had half a team when he arrived, and we've been doing frantic work in the transfer market and. I think everyone has recognised we're up for a challenge. So it's one of those ones where you kind of create a siege mentality and get together and go, right, we're going to back this man. He's saying the right things. We're seeing we're seeing the right things on the pitch. Um, and he did take the applause from the crowd and um, he, he is enjoying that aspect from it. But he's always talking about, you know, not to get too carried away and there will be bumps in the road, etc. Um, so I think he can he can keep receiving that kind of adulation if, if we're playing in the correct manner. Um, things move quickly in football, you know, no more so than in Glasgow. Um, but, you know, there's optimism at the moment. And I think last year that's something we didn't have. Um, and, and that's why we're we're kind of so on board at the moment. Yeah, well, that's great to hear. And uh, hopefully he does get time because I think that was the concern for football fans back here in Australia that when you're coaching such a high-profile team that you don't get long if things go a little bit wobbly. If you do, want to do yourself a favour and all your fans of the grand old podcast and, and your own work, of course, on YouTube and on Twitter, uh, get yourself to uh, YouTube. You may have already done this, John. John McKinley's our guest. McKinley's our guest. Craig Foster and Ange Postacoglu, the former Socceroo Craig Foster, who was had a role in SBS commentary over here in Australia. Um, he's no longer involved in it, but he was a, a long-time um, critic of the game. And you want to have a listen and a watch of Ange Postacoglu, Google Ange Postacoglu, Craig Foster going head-to-head. Uh, it makes for good viewing, and it's proof, John, you don't want to mm-hmm. get on the wrong side of Ange Postacoglu. <laughs> No, certainly not. You know, he's he's not really had any of those media run-ins at the moment. But, you know, famously, um, there there can be some tensions between the, the media in Scotland and, 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 and Celtic managers. So that might come down the road. And um, we'll look forward to that. I'll have to say that he's dealt with the, the media very well in, in the sense of um, dodging um, questions or, or kind of um, rebuking some of them when he feels that the line of question isn't mm. fair enough. 
Um, so we have seen a little bit of that, but nothing quite like that, that interview. <laughs> um, but I, I would love to see some of that, I have to say. It's all part of it, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is. It's all part of the game. And a very left-field twist as we say goodbye. Brendan Rogers, who was the long-time Celtic manager, of course, he's actually – his. Uh, uh, he's had family who live in Perth here in Western Australia, where we're from. He's got, uh, uh, I think his uh, in-laws once lived here or still do live here, but he obviously is no longer related to them, of course, from uh, from a previous relationship. So uh, we've got a, a, a nice little connection there with Celtic through former manager Brendan Rogers and, or, of course, Ange Postacoglu. So so you talk about the, the, the international break. When do you get back on the, the SPL uh, wagon for Celtic? It's on the 11th of September against Ross County, who come, are coming down from the Highlands to, to Celtic Park. And that'll be another match that Celtic will be looking to kind of really get on the front foot for and, and rack up a few goals. No, no disrespect for them. No, you know, no game's um, easy, but you know, that's what we'll be looking for from that match. And then it's into European action and against Real Betis in, in Spain the following Thursday. So that'll be very exciting um, going up against the Spanish team. Mate. All things being equal, last one for you, all things being equal, it sounds like Ange Postacoglu is a good fit for Celtic. You seem to be, I'm sure you're very strong in your opinion and you're not just a, a liniment sniffer PR man for uh, Ange Postacoglu. It sounds like you're a pretty fair and reasonable gentleman, but you think it's a good fit and you, you've got high hopes. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. If, if, if things were going terribly and he was... Um, acting poorly in the press, I would be the first to say so. Wasn't shy about criticising Celtic last season, for example. <laughs> but no, gen- genuinely, um, he has been a good fit so far. As I say, he's honest, he's passionate, plays a good brand of football, and, and those are all qualities that any football team would love to see, and especially Celtic, and, and long may it continue. Yeah, well, we appreciate you staying up to take our uh, call on the show and hopefully this resonates with all your Celtic fans through your own podcast and through, of course, your Twitter and all your work you do on YouTube as well. John McGinley, Grand Old Pod, A-U-L-D Pod. Appreciate your time and all the very best and look after Aussie Ange. Thanks very much. There he is, John McGinley here on SENWA. Big game Friday night here at Optus Stadium. Don't forget, SEN Stadium call. You download the app. You don't miss a minute. Play-by-play, no delay, no buffer. And there's only one exclusive network that provides that call for you. So we'll give you all the kicks, marks, handballs, stats, injuries, breaking news, whatever it may be. Make sure you download the SEN app and touch on the little tile about 10 minutes before game time and you will get Geelong and GWS. Jesse Hogan doesn't do a lot of media, but he was kind enough to join Gary and Tim this morning on SEN Breakfast Melbourne. It's uh, fantastic we're going to talk to this man because I thought he was absolutely magnificent for the GWS Giants in their thrilling win over the Sydney Swans. He's had some ups and downs. His body's failed him at times, but he was back to his very best. His name's Jesse Hogan. He joins us from down there in Barn Boogle, down in Tassie. G'day, Jess. Hey, guys. How are we? We're going well, mate. Hey, congratulations. It was, uh, well, it was uh, first of all, it was an unbelievable game of footy. You held on by a point, but gee, your form was great. You must be thrilled with the way you're going. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, look, I'll be played the last five or six games and to be on the end of the few and um, to have an impact. You know, first goal was pretty quiet, but uh, to be on the end of the few and bomb feet um, in that second half was really nice. And to get a win, obviously, you'd like to win by four or five goals, but we did it the hard way, but uh, no, it was good nonetheless. How nervous did it get late in that game for you, Jesse? They were coming pretty hard, the Swans. Did you think that they were going to get you? Uh, look, we know they're a quality side. Like you know, they've, they've been good all year, and they, they kind of did that to us earlier in the year. So we kind of knew their best was very capable. But um, 
no, nah, look, we've had a lot of faith in that back line. They've been struggling all year, so... Um, no, nah, uh, always had faith in the boys, but um, yeah, we'll uh, review that last quarter, so uh, we don't get ourselves in that position again. The back line has been amazing, the changes that have had to occur in the last 12 months, a lot of young players there. Has, I, I, I guess you, know, you need to have a really strong defensive unit. Uh, have you been surprised at how quickly some of these young players have been capable of standing up? Yeah, I guess uh, probably just being at a quieter club like GWS, they don't probably get the recognition they deserve, but you know, your Perrymans and your Isaac Cummings and your Connor Ridens, you know, bigger clubs, people would be talking about them, but they just go about their business and week in, week out, and they've been massive for us all year. They've probably been our most consistent line, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, you look at Sam Taylor, 21, he takes on the big boys every week and very rarely gets beaten. So, yeah, look, we, we've, we've come to expect it from them, but, um, yeah, they probably still get the recognition they deserve from the, the greater footy world. Hey, tell us about the logistics now. You've you stayed there in Tassie down at Barnburgle, which is a great uh, golfing complex. Um, I saw the boys doing a pretty chilly recovery down at the beach yesterday. What was uh, yesterday all about? Yeah, no, uh, we weren't really too sure. We were first like getting the win, but um, as soon as you, the, the winner of uh, us in Sydney got to travel down to Barnburgle and stay here, so a few, a few of the golfing boys went to Canes and, and we just found out we could play golf yesterday. I was, you know, and he's a pretty emotionless guy, but uh, he was absolutely, absolutely stoked when he found out he goes for the hit. But um, no, we're not here for too long. It's pretty chilly. Had to jump in the water, had to walk over the sand dunes yesterday and jump in the water, which a few boys weren't stoked about. But um, no, look, it's the world we're in at the moment, so you've got to make the most of it and um, have a good attitude, I guess. Yeah, indeed. And so you are due to play Geelong in Perth. So when, when do you travel to the West? Uh, I believe it's, we're flying out um, Tuesday afternoon at this point, but um, it's all up to change. But at this point, it's two thirty on Tuesday. Hey Jesse, uh, in the intro, Gary talked about uh, the fact that uh, you know, you'd been um, uh, inter- your career has been interrupted a number of times, and started in Melbourne, went to Fremantle for a short time, now at GWS. How, how, how have you found the environment of GWS and uh, how has it suited you and your body and everything? Do you feel like you're in the best position you've been in for a long time? Yeah, well, I think it was probably probably pretty necessary for me to, to not necessary, sorry, but it was a nice change for me to get out of a, a footy state. Like Perth is obviously a crazy footy state, which, you know, it, it's awesome. But for me at the time, probably needed the change and, um, yeah, to come over here and get a bit of continuity in my body is probably something I haven't had in the last two or three years. I actually had a really good pre-season, although I missed the first six or seven rounds. I actually had a really good block throughout the pre-season. And just the, um, just the, yeah, like I said, not being such a footy state and me not having all that pressure, probably something I just needed um, to get back to enjoying the game, really. Like, just to really strip it right back and um, simplify it rather than the pressure and all the rest of it that, you know, it was just slowly eroding away at me, I guess, and I was just someone that, you know, I just didn't really like, and you know, the footy just wasn't anywhere near the level I wanted to be at. So, yeah, I think for what he was, and just for me as a person, it was a, it was a great change. Getting that environment part of it right is really important to different players. Like everybody thinks that you know, because you're an AFL player, you love the attention and that type of thing. And here in Melbourne, you're well known. Then you go over to Perth, and you're even better known over there. It's a smaller marketplace as well. But just you like to be anonymous. Uh, look, I think every footy player wants to play in front of the massive crowds, and you know, to be a high-profile player it means you're playing good footy. So obviously that that just comes with it. But just with where I was at and um, just a few other things, it was unfortunate that 
you know, I probably just needed to get away from the spotlight a little bit. You know, I think as a footballer, you want to play in front of 100,000. You, you know, it kind of comes with it, I guess. But for me, I just needed to change it up. So it's kind of, you know, I absolutely understand. I, I, you know, I did love playing in Melbourne in front of big crowds. And even in Perth, playing at Optus in front of big crowds and stuff was nice. But, yeah, just for where I was at, actually enjoying playing footy. And if you're not enjoying playing footy, it's just, it would be a pretty tough job. And then not being able to get away from the sport much at all with uh, Perth being such a footy state. Yeah, it was just probably a bit too much for the time. I just probably didn't handle it very well. And you found your way into the bungalow out the back of Big Mummy's house. Um, I've heard you talk about this a bit. That seems to have all worked in pretty well. He's got a couple of young lads that um, you've become Uncle Jesse pretty quickly too. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was good for me, Shane. I, when I first moved out, it was a pretty lonely place. And I didn't have too many friends over here. Um, and he just chucked his hand up just to initially move in for a week while I was uh, finding other residents. And I think it was in the first night we, we had a few reds and I got to know Eva well. <laughs> Eva and Shane, I think we've had that Christmas period, so we're allowed to have a couple of drinks, and we got we got along like a house on fire. And then, yeah, the two little uh, the two little kids, little Theo and Oliver, you know, they just loved it. So every single day playing soccer, and no, it was really good just to distract me and keep me busy. And that's been a, a really nice touch from from him to open up his hands and let me um start his. What about his football is amazing. Like when you consider that, I think he retired three years ago. He's still back playing. He's talking about the possibility of playing another season. I watched him closely. He can't jump off the ground. Then no disrespect to him, but he's just any athleticism he had, he's lost. But he's still such a competitive beast and such a leader out there on the ground. Yeah, I think yeah, competitive beast. Not perfect. Yeah, I don't think he's going for a game this year. Yeah, I think most players aim to be you know, 80, 90%. No one's at 100, but I doubt he's even at 60, 50 with the way his body's holding up. But, yeah, like you said, he's just competitive. Like, he goes out there and once that siren goes, he'll give it his all. And then for the rest of the week, he's, he's pretty much buggered. But, yeah, you know what you're going to get. He's just, he's really, he does it week in, week out. So nothing surprises me anymore. But, yeah, he's a freak of nature when it comes to like, getting up for games. With Jesse Hogan here, who was a star uh, in their thrilling win on the weekend against the Sydney Swans, uh, they now take on Geelong. Um, what's the discussion and talk about Toby, mate? It's going to be the big talking point from a footy point of view. You would understand that right around the country. Um, how have you guys dealt with it? Yeah, look, we've actually we had a pretty quiet day yesterday, so I think I only brushed past him. So I haven't really spoken to him too much directly. But, yeah, look, it's kind of out of our hands at the moment. Um, yeah, hopefully he can get off and... Yeah, it's one of those things, unfortunately, that you can't touch an umpire. But, yeah, yeah something's out of our hands at the moment. And we'll see what comes up and I'll kind of follow it. But, yeah, I haven't really got too much to say about it, to be honest. It's kind of one of those funny ones where it could go either way. It's an interesting conversation because when something like this happens, Jesse, the commentary around it is that, you know, this is going to be a major disruption to the playing group and it's a distraction in a really important week for the finals. But what you're saying is that, you know, somebody else deals with it over there and the rest of you just get on with it. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I think mean, there's too much point in all 41 players and Leon and, and the coaching staff stressing about it. I think we'll just go about it normally. Um, you know, plan for him to be in the team and make the week completely normally and that'll be dealt with by uh, the people that need to deal with it. But, yeah, it's not, not really worth us all stressing over, to be honest. Obviously, you want Toby to play, but... Yeah, we'll um just we'll just go with it. Well said, mate.
Well said. Uh, your team have uh, got the admiration of the footy world in the way that you've been able to overcome some difficulties and some huge injury issues and a 0-3 start, I think, to the season. To now be into a semi-final is a great credit to you and um, your form's been a big part of that. We look forward to watching you on the big stage against the Cats on Friday night. No, I really appreciate you guys. Thank you. 25 away from 12 o'clock on this Monday. Thanks for your company. 17.4 degrees in the city right now. And if you're listening on SEN Spirit 621, I hope you're enjoying your Monday. Don't forget you can always get in touch with the show, 13 12 55, or text 0487 736 736. Been a very busy show to this point. Patrick Cantlay, this morning on Sporting uh, Gillian Goss, we had uh, Patrick Cantlay and Bryson DeChambeau playing at the BMW International in the States. And they, uh, well, they squared it up going into a playoff and then it went for six holes. And there were so many missed opportunities. To be brutally honest, Bryson DeChambeau was putting it close and Cantlay was knocking down putts from a mile away. In the end, Patrick Cantlay got the job done at the sixth playoff hole. He spoke after the tournament. This is the American Patrick Cantlay after his big win today in the States. I'm a little tired, but, uh, you know, very, very happy. I mean, I played really well all week. Um, You know, at the beginning of the week, I didn't realize it would take that many under par to just force a playoff. But um, I hit, you know, a lot of good shots today, and it was just enough. Patrick, uh, pretty good show today. Well done. Thank you. Just curious. was there ever a moment that maybe you thought uh, you weren't going to win? Uh, and if not, why not? Uh, I liked Bryson's chances of making that six or eight footer up the hill or whatever it was. And yeah, I thought he was going to make that uh, putt. Um, I was maybe the only time that, you know, I, I really thought I was done. Um, but, you know, he didn't make it. That's golf. So um, I played really well and just tried to focus on the task at hand all day. Um, even, you know, some of the bad shots I've hit, I hit today just tried to reset and, and take it fresh from there. Secondly, uh, had you heard Patty Ice before? And is that going to be a hard nickname to live up to? I don't know. That's the first time I heard it. Uh, but I got, I got it all week. Uh, I think there was maybe one or two guys that followed me around maybe all four days, and they just every hole screaming it. Uh, these were uh, some of the most supportive, uh, loudest fans um, I've, ever, I've ever experienced. All right, next we'll go to Jerry Coleman in Baltimore, 105.7. The fan, Jer- uh, Jerry, go ahead. Patrick, uh, congratulations. And about the, uh, the Caves Valley experience, uh, your thoughts on that and the way the course played throughout the, uh, not only the four rounds, but also the extra holes. Yeah, I thought the course was great theater, obviously. Um, lots of birdies and a great finishing hole. Um, it was easy. I knew it was going to play easy, and uh, you were going to need to make a lot of birdies when I was playing the practice round. I, I mentioned to the guys it's going to be well into the 20s, um, and that's just mostly to do with it being as soft as it was. I think this golf course would be very different if it was firm. Um, but it's wide and, and there's not a ton of trouble so it was a birdie fest out there and it felt like your foot was on the gas from the, the word go. Patrick Antley after his win today after uh, a playoff with Bryson DeChambeau the, the popular but also very polarising golfer it was a intriguing contest it was good to watch in the studio here 
and SEN. We should have concentrated on the rest of the show, but we were too busy watching the six-hole payoff. Only joking. A break. Brett Phillips talking all things US Open. It starts tonight. One of the tennis majors. And we'll be checking in with that, of course, with him. And don't forget, thanks to the wonderful team at Kia Bunbury, Jones Boys Kia Bunbury. They're great supporters. They're great people. They're amazing cars. And thanks to their ongoing support of our show down there in the southwest, the Jones Boys Bunbury Kia. Might have to look them up shortly. Great people and amazing cars. This is Sporting Goss. 16 away from 12 on this Monday morning. 17.4 degrees. Pretty grey skies over the top of us at the moment. Don't forget, we're all focused on the AFL finals. But I tell you, I do get my teeth into tennis when the big majors come around. And there's no better man to talk tennis than with our man BP, Brett Phillips, thanks to B Solar, where you will never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. We've got to get onto this. Got to sort this out. Learn more about better solar energy by visiting b.solar. BP, it's a major and we're all very excited. Oh, we are, Timmy. Good morning. Uh, nice to speak to you. And if I could be in New York, oh, I'd love to be in Flushing yeah. Meadows right now. It's a magnificent place. I mean, New York, just full stop as a city. Uh, we know what it brings. But uh, the US Open, I mean, the big difference this year, Tim, is we're going to have a crowd back. Last yeah. year, a 23,000-seat stadium with no one in it. And the electric New York crowd will be back. Uh, fever pitch, fist pumping. Uh, the corporates on level two, Arthur Ashe, will be turning their back to the crowd. No idea what's happening with the tennis. Making lots of noise. Chair umpire. Chair umpire works overtime. He earns zero double pay. Quiet, please. Ladies and gentlemen, quiet, please. Respectful to the players. Because uh, mm. there is a constant hum at the New York uh, US Open. Uh, there's, there's not much etiquette going on over there. But look, it is electric. And uh, we've got a, a genuine Australian chance. And maybe the omen is with Ash. 20 years ago, Leighton Hewitt won the US Open. 10 mm-hmm. years ago, Sam Stoza won the US Open. Wow. Maybe the decade, the decade uh, little factor there might come into play. And Ash, this is her best chance, no doubt. Looking forward to it. And it all starts tonight, uh, our time, of course, Arthur Ashe Stadium. I thought Andy Murray had a hip replacement and was never going to play again, but he's in. He's up against uh, Sitsipas. And it's interesting, isn't it, when you look at the unseeded Andy Murray up against the third seed, Sitsipas. It's a, it's a great matchup. I mean, it's one of those ones that when you were scanning through when the draw came out, you're just looking at the eye-catching matchups and go, wow, that's that's first round. Come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Andy, look, Andy is, uh, you know, he's hanging by a thread, a bit like Bruce Reed back in the day. <laughs> but he, look, he's a warrior, this guy. I mean, yeah. he just, he wants to keep playing. He loves the sport. I think he'll do some great things post-tennis. He's a huge advocate for you know, for women in tennis, and he was the first to employ a female coach, Emily Marismo, and he's still as competitive as anything. We saw it at Wimbledon uh, this year with Judy's mum uh, watching on, who's been there for the whole ride. And yeah, Sissy Pass is certainly one of the players to uh, who's going to factor uh, pretty deep into the tournament. But maybe Andy can rise to the occasion and the U.S. Open. He has won. He has good memories of Flushing Meadows. Um, is Nick Kyrgios there? <laughs> well, he is there now. He is playing. Tomorrow morning, our time. So he's going to be the night session match, second up on Louis Armstrong, which is the he was a trumpeter. Don't know why he had a court name. What a wonderful world! Exactly, but he had a whole court named after him. Kevin Bartley used to ask me about that all the time. Why, why, why? I tell Kevin he'd forget. I tell him again, but um, he will be on that court. He takes on Roberta Bautista at good, so seasoned Spaniard inside the top ten once upon a time. 
uh, stone-faced. He'll play the percentages. I don't know what Kyrgios is going to bring tomorrow. There's no form line. He's hardly played any tennis. The knee is not flash. Goss, uh, anything could happen yeah. tomorrow. But the crowd there, the Americans love him. I mean, when I went there a couple of years ago, 15, 20 deep at his practice sessions, he'd go and play doubles with Matty Reed, and it'd be packed. Kyrgios. They refer to him, and uh, they they just they love him. They love all the antics and the the flashiness. But yeah, I, I don't I, look. I don't I don't expect Nick to have any sort of no. run here. He just hasn't got the runs on the board. No, I don't think so either. Astra Sharma got through qualifying, so she's in the draw. So she'll pick up some coin. Yeah, great for Astra. Look, I'm a fan. Um, you know, in women's tennis, she's got to have a decent serve if you're going to rise up the ranks. That's one thing she has got. Now she's solid off the ground. You know, she went through the American college system. She got a good grounding, Astra Sharma, a bit later developer. I think the best is still yet to come, but it's damn tough to crack that top 100. But she's going to play the French Open champion of this year, Bavora Krachikova of the Czech Republic, who um, has you know, never built her resume this year considerably on the singles circuit. So it's a tough one for Astra first up. But she hits the ball well. She does serve well. She hits her spots you know, tough to uh, win uh, return games against Astra, and I'd love to see her, you know, win a couple of rounds and and really boost that ranking. You've only got to win a couple of rounds, and you you take a big leap. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, one of my favourites is still going around. I didn't realise the, the the great Bulgarian uh, Peronkova. She's still going around. She's one of my faves. <laughs> well, I was at Wimbledon the year she made the semis. Uh, yeah, Bolter. Absolute boulder from the blue, and then she um, had some time out, became a mum the last couple oh, of years, uh, Skandana, okay. and okay. yeah, she's come back for a second instalment, which a lot of the female players do. They go away and um, have a baby and uh, start a family, and then they, they come back. The competitive juices are still flowing, and they want to see how much they can get out of their career second time around. So, yeah, she is, uh, she's still going around. Yeah, pay, pay for daycare. Hey, um... Uh, there's a lot of big names not there, you know, Serena and Roger and Rafa and stuff like that. I mean, it's still, but it's still a wonderful tournament. When I look at the tennis, when the big, some of the big names, I know Djokovic is still there and a couple of others, but when I look at these tournaments now, when you, you extract the biggest of names, I think, well, there's the future and maybe the winner is well concealed. And that maintains my interest in it. No doubt. I mean, if you hadn't have mentioned, uh, if no one, if no one had mentioned to me that those, three were missing, I would still look at the draw and go, okay, it's not that noticeable. I mean, Roger and Serena are in the final phase now. We're not sure how long. It's creeping closer and closer to being done. And Nadal is going to have to really think about his schedule from here because he's maybe got two more years and his body's taken a battering. And he's got to really pick um, the the tournaments he's going to play to be cherry ripe for. And we've seen, you know, so many times he's had to pull out at the back end of the year. Uh, but when you look at the Djokovic you know, attempt to win the calendar slam, Goss, and then you know Medvedev, Tsitsipas, and Zverev, these three are just about ready. They've all made Grand Slam finals the last two years. If the Joker falls, there's the opening for one of them to uh, to break through. And they're never going to achieve the numbers of a Djokovic, but these are going to be the guys that are going to you know, produce some incredible rivalries over the next uh, what, you know, 10 years or so. I'm being 100% serious here. Does Naomi Osaka have to do media in this tournament? Well, that, that's my understanding. I mean, to me, uh, I mean, I think Daniela Hunter-Cove, I don't know if you ever met Daniela. She yeah, well, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I think she did. Yep, I think so. She's a I didn't meet her, but right. I know she, yeah, I liked her. Yep. Yeah, former world number five. We had her in commentary yeah. this year, and um, she said a couple of weeks ago, come on. I mean, she's not, she's not, uh, 
she's not dismissing the fact that there may be some issues going on, no doubt. And, and there's empathy there, and it's hard to get inside anyone's mind, but it is part of the gig as yeah. a professional sports person. You're somehow going to have to deal with it. Uh, Ash Barty handles it so well. I was just watching her press conference before. I mean, she's just got a damn pat now of how how much time she wants to spend in that media room, what questions yeah. she answers, and goes into a detail. And once she wants to shut down, doesn't want to go into detail. So Naomi's just got to find a way to get around it because we want to see her be the best tennis player and not have this derail her, to be honest. Yeah, very true. Uh, B Solar brings us Brett Phillips. We're talking US Open. It starts tonight, our time, of course. Uh, just in summary, I need a winner from both sides of the draw. And if yep. there is to be an upset, I need to find one. And I've had someone text in 0487736736. Can you ask your tennis expert? That's you, BP. Um, does Joe Wilfred Songer, is he 50 yet? <laughs> yeah, Joey, he's heading towards 40. He'd be 36 <laughs> or 37. Jeepers, he's, he's playing Casper Rude in the opening round. This guy yeah. is running hot the Norwegian. He's my smoky, right? Okay. He's normally, he's more known for his clay court prowess, but his hardcore tennis is getting better. He's 11 in the world, and he plays Songer in the opening round. So I like Casper Rude as a little bit of a okay. dark horse um, this tournament. Uh, women's. Is uh, oh, yeah. So, so you, is, Casper Rude, is Casper Rude your upset or is Casper Rude you, you think he's going to win it? Well, no, he, I don't think he'd win it. But he's won the, he might have a run, all right? Camilla okay. Georgie on the women's side might have a bit of a right, run. Yeah. She won okay. it a couple of weeks ago. I'm backing in Ash. This is her best chance, Goss. Okay. She looks Ready. cherry ripe. If cherry. she executes, she wins. Simple as that. Uh, Novak, I think it's uh, going to go a little pear-shaped. And I'm going to back in Daniil Medvedev on the men's side. Okay, Medvedev and Ash Barty, Rude and Georgi. Just have a bit of a run. Keep it interesting. And curious mm. to have a complete meltdown or not try. It could happen, uh, yeah, within the first 20 minutes tomorrow. Who knows? <laughs> It'll be compelling watching. We'll get, an, we'll get a better be. idea. How that hey, is you're a good man. I know you're on huge, I know you're uh, uh, under huge demands at this time. Are you doing any TV? No, no, all on ESPN, so Channel 9 don't have the rights for the okay. uh, US yeah. Open, so we'll be getting the feed from uh, the great ESPN. Chrissy Everett, my favourite, she'll be coming on our screen. Okay. Love Chrissy Everett. All right, should have done my research. Thank you very much. Thanks, Timmy. Brett Phillips, thanks to B Solar, where you will never have to pay another expensive electricity. We'll learn more about better solar energy by visiting B Solar. That's B dot solar. It is coming up six away from 12. Welcome back. Things to wrap up right here, right now. Uh, just to remind anyone who's on the Graham Farmer Freeway, from anyone driving from Optus Stadium to the beach in that direction, please stay out of my way because I'm really tired. <laughs> I need to get home quick before I nod off. Thanks for your company today. It's been a lot of fun. Don't forget tomorrow, if you didn't uh, tune in, top of the show, out of 10 o'clock, your chance to join our Goss Lotto Syndicate for Thursday. Lots of people around this great state listening on the app or listening on SEN Spirit. Don't forget, you can join in the fun tomorrow. Write the number down. Text it 0487 736 736. And next week, you're going to have to ring 13 12 55. Yep. You're going to have to come on air. Tell us who you are and where you're listening and what you like about the show. That'll sort the men out from the boys, the wheat from the chaff. Won't it? Wheat from the Better chaff. Better believe it, yeah. Yeah, have you heard that saying? Wheat from the chaff? I have, yeah. yeah okay. What right. is chaff? Not chaff, chaff. Chaff, what chaff, is it? It's the food that, like, like, it's, you know, wheat, it's the wheat, and it's all the dusty stuff. Oh, yeah. It's not yeah. the good stuff. It's not, it's, that's no. why you want to separate it. No, it's like Wheaties and, um, and buckwheat. <laughs> sure. 
Got to go. Thanks, Alex. You've done really, really good. Just go ding one more time. <laughs> the final hurdle. See you tomorrow from 10. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.